Whether you're a seasoned professional, an aspiring investor, or simply looking to stay ahead of the curve, this is the ultimate guide to making informed decisions in the world of property and real estate. So grab a seat and let's uncover the key factors that make all the difference. Welcome to Key Factors Podcast. Let the journey begin. What is New York City without its skyline? Monuments to commerce standing proudly shoulder to shoulder. More office space than any city in the world. But peek inside all this vertical real estate, and there's a fundamental question. Where is everyone? More than 95 million square feet of New York office space currently unoccupied. The equivalent of 30 Empire State Buildings. I think this is an existential moment. You know, I call it crossing the chasm. What's the chasm specifically? This post-COVID world of higher interest rates, the changing nature of how people work and live. We're not going back to where we were. It's a different world, and it's going to be turbulent. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Key Factors Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Jones, and we are sponsored by ReviewMyMortgage.com, the largest index of mortgage programs in the nation. And we've been talking a lot about residential real estate. We've talked about the ins and outs. We've talked about uh, tips, tricks, market data, all of those things. But I didn't want to uh, go another day or another episode without bringing in commercial. So I've got two experts on the panel today with me um, that I can share some of my thoughts, ask some technical questions, because I'm going to treat this episode as if I'm an infant. Uh, I focus a lot on residential and really don't get to see or hear the nuances of commercial. Um, So without further ado, let me introduce my guests today. I've got Andy Hilger and also JJ Garina. How's it going, guys? What's up? How are you? Doing well. Doing there should be a well. poker podcast because this is a, a <laughs> shark right here. <laughs> <laughs> Play a little heads up tournament no, real quick. I'm not, not with me. I can't take it. <laughs> oh my goodness. So that means that uh, commercial must be doing well then, huh? Um, we do have more time on our heads. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, today, guys, I want to dive into the world of commercial real estate. Sure. Um, as you saw the video that we played just before this, it's all doom and gloom out there. Um, but everything, in my opinion, with real estate tends to be local. And our local market is not like any other market. Um, And we'll dive into that stuff as we move further. But I want to take a step back and just kind of talk about some of the basics of commercial real estate. Sure. Number one, uh, matter of fact, let's take a step back. If you guys could just introduce yourself again and give us your expertise, your uh, history in real estate and all that jazz, go for it. Um, Andy Hilger. I um, have been in real estate since 2003. The first 10 years of that career was with a home builder, developer, and then moving on with uh, Marcus to start the Laffey Hilger Group that we've worked at for the last many years since then. Um, and the commer- we do residential real estate primarily. Um, and then within the commercial world, um, I've been very involved in medical offices and done many medical office buildings and some additional commercial real estate outside of that over the years. So I feel like I'm pretty versed in that, uh, that regard. Very good. JJ. 2004, um, did residential for nine years, uh, had our radio show. We got, so started getting a lot of leads on commercials. So I ended up doing commercial now uh, for the last 10. Very so, good. Yeah, just concentrate on that. Obviously I'll 
because my business partner is always on a plane every three weeks, so I'll step back in. <laughs> I'll stick, stick back into uh, residential, but for the most part, just commercial. Okay, okay. Yeah. And uh, it, it obviously does enough to pay the bills and build the empire. Sure. Um, and I believe that San Antonio is one of those markets where we're still very affordable, not just on a residential side, but on a commercial side as well. Well, <clears throat> what I would talk about, it's a little bit bigger than... Um, San Antonio. And I actually got some numbers. So the triangle that makes up Dallas to us, you know, taking in Fort Worth, Austin to Houston, we call that the Texas triangle. Okay. okay yeah. So since 2017, the numbers, I looked it up, uh, we're at 22 million um, people live in this triangle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been, The population growth has been 14% year over year. Wow. Uh, the job growth is 37% year over year. Now, do we know if that uh, population growth is due to people migrating this way? or The, is the it biggest just... migrations are coming from the East Coast, like New York-ish, uh, a lot from Seattle and California. Yeah. Um, Wonder why. No state income tax. <laughs> no, I, can't, you know, yeah, I can go off on that. Yeah. That being said, so, and you're correct. So I think the biggest change um, or difference between residential and commercial is the financing. Um, definitely, so, yeah. definitely. Because with you, you have to abide by housing of urban development. So you, like, you know, just because we're ugly, you have to give us a loan, right? You have right. an 800 credit right. score. <laughs> right. I don't know. But if we have an 850 credit score, no debt, make a lot of money, you, you can't discriminate. Correct. Whereas the, we're regional. Um, banks want to... Uh, lend in their backyard. Chase can't do it in a macro level. They will, right? right? Like the Wells Fargo's and the Chases will. But for the most part, you're you're dealing with PNC, you're dealing with uh, Frost, you're dealing with uh, all those. And what your local lo- credit unions, your local yeah. investors that yeah. can do portfolio and keep Credit them on Human, books. Bank of San yeah. Antonio. Because and 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 let's take Frost for instance. Like I think when I looked before, they had two billion dollars of assets that they manage. They want four. And a half buckets to be all even. Those buckets are office, industrial, retail, and multifamily. Okay. You can throw in some land. They don't love it. And you can throw in a little bit of um, self-storage. Right. But they want, if I poured this water out, they would want all, like if this is a $2 billion that I'm, you know, for frost that I'm dealing with, I want a little bit in each one. Mm-hmm. So when someone says like, hey, um, you know, what, what, how can I finance this piece of land or this multifamily? I go, you know what sucks? Or it does or doesn't. I can't just call my, my lender, my one right. lender that works at Thing Mortgage because he's the best and, and whatever. Cause you're going to just give us whatever, all the, all the options that we have, right? Right. So instead I got to go to my, my Chase guy, my PNC guy, my Bank of America, Bank of San Antonio guy and say, who wants multifamily? Who's looking for this appetite? Who's right. got the appetite for it? Exactly. Me? Cause yeah. who needs to fill in their, their bucket a little bit more. And so what's weird about commercial on the finance side is that this guy will have better rates and terms than that guy and that girl and, and so on and so forth. So we are insulated in that regard mm-hmm. because, you know, Frost is doing well. They're throwing up buildings all over the place. All right. That means our region is doing well. Um, in fact, where there's four re- major population regions in the U.S., it's the Cali, right? Um, it's the Eastern Seaboard. Uh, it's all the lakes and it's us. We've already taken the lakes and now we're going after the other two. And they say by 2026, we'll be pretty much on par with, with Cali. We're the mm-hmm. seventh largest economy in the world. Uh, we have, we have more GDP in Texas than, uh, Italy and, and, and Canada. Wow. I know. That's so, strong. So like, all this stuff that I know you showed a you know a clip. Oh yeah, 
insulated homie We're and, insulated. and we'll get to more yeah. of that I, I just wanted to stick to more so the basics and 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 giving mm-hmm. the folks out there listening a basic understanding of determining what is commercial what is not commercial so right. different types of commercial um would be your retail space sure you've got the stores a, apartment complex you've got storage units right. um what what are some other examples of uh commercial real estate I mean, anything and everything that's not uh, a residential property that's that's zoned accordingly. You've got land, um, non-denominational churches are commercial real point. estate. Yeah, right. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, industrial, every type flex. of business, industrial, warehouses. I mean, it, it, it kind of never mm-hmm. ends. Everything right. outside of a residential, Up to a know, single dwelling right. residential property. When I mean, you see the contracts, one to four family, Correct. anything above four family yep. is going to fall into the multifamily commercial gotcha. category. So it's really anything except for your house, for, uh, your house. Yeah. yeah. Correct. That makes sense. And, yeah. and for me, as I started getting, um, I'll be honest, as we started making more money, yeah. uh, one of my goals was to own a commercial space and lease it back to myself and obviously run that through P&Ls and all yeah. that jazz. But as we continue moving forward, the way that this industry that I'm in has shifted to not necessarily needing to be in the office um, all of my operations work from home. Matter of fact, I've got uh, a processor that's in Louisiana, uh, other in Bernie. I mean, we're, we're, we're all over the place because we can and have the ability to do that. It now kind of makes me take a step back as someone that considered having this as their dream to have the triple net. And we'll explain all that kind of sure. stuff later. Um, but it kind of has. A, a pause in it for me at the moment until I find out more information. And you guys are the right ones to to talk to, uh, to get a good understanding of what the hell's going on. Well, I think Andy's pivoted, right? You had an office and you don't anymore, right? Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. We, we've gone um, to a, to a work from home structure, yeah. you know, yep. um, we had, almost 3000 square feet. Yep. And, uh, you know, ever since COVID, a lot of things have changed. People, sure. once people got into the habit of setting up an office from home and working from there, right. it's been very slow to, for people to, to want to come back. Right. You know what I mean? They've, they've got a new routine of mm-hmm. how they take their kids to school and mm-hmm. pick them up and, 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 it, and it works. And, it, you know, you adapt to those types of changes very quickly. Like you just said, you have people, Mm -hmm. you know, in other States that work for you and do these roles. And we just made that change to go to that type of structure where um, we don't have the overhead of an office that's being, you know, used by one or two people a week. You know what I mean? Right. Um, So, yeah. And, and, you know, I was with KW for 17 and a half years, love them, but I saw the writing on the wall too. You know, when I had my radio show pre COVID, I was screaming that office was dead back then because they were doing like half a, they're like 400,000 square feet right next to 300,000 square feet, like on Northwest Military and 1604. And I'm like, these are empty. Like we could have ran down the halls, like remember Breakfast Club? Like we could just oh, ran yeah. down the halls <laughs> and no one would have bothered us. Yep. And so, you know, and you know, helping market centers and looking at P&Ls at that level uh, or offices for lots of agents, like, you know, he had, cause he's a broker, you know, I realized like it's one of the biggest, um, it's just... The eight, if you're going to make money in real estate, you can't, you shouldn't be in the office, right? Like you, you make, you, we make our money in the streets. You might need somewhere to like hold your crap, maybe lead generate for a little bit. Um, but for the most part, like nine to, we're not a nine to five type of industry. You know, it's a contact sport with belly to belly contact. We need to be with people. We need to be out there. There's the prospecting times and whatnot, but assistance, you know, our, our contract people may need a space, but we don't for the most part full time. That being said, that's why I don't, I don't know if, you know, Lisa Guzman and I are opening up 
she's opening up and I'm her in-house coach, the success space, which is a co-working space. It's agnostic. We actually, cool. we're not even having real estate agents per se. It's going to be shared space, financial shared advisors, yep. CPAs, you can rent an you know, office if you want to, architects. or you can rent by the hour. It's, it's a, it's less than $50 a month. That's and, very cool. And you can come in and you can work. There's a cafe there. It, you know, smoke a cigar we on the patio. We actually used one of those spaces. I don't remember what the name of it was, but uh, down in Brownsville, when I opened uh, the Brownsville office, we Yikes. used a temporary space like that for a couple of weeks. Wait, Brownsville has co-working space? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't remember what the uh, name of it was. They barely but it have was, running water. That's dude, my hometown. <laughs> it was super, super cool. Uh, uh, was not very expensive. They had three shared conference rooms, yeah. one on each level. Sure. You have large offices, small offices, cubicles. Yeah. Um, but the concept of it, and this was three and a half, almost four years ago. Sure. First time seeing it going, holy cow, what, what is everybody going to do when this starts blowing up? Because that's what this new generation is For about. Sure. They'd rather go to Starbucks and work around everybody else when I'm like, leave me the hell alone. I need to get some work. Done. Well, we're the, the, our success space is a perfect miss because we have a podcast room, a content room we, yeah. that you can have by the hour. We have a conference room. We have training rooms. We have huddle like booths. We have soundproof rooms if you want to just bang out calls. So anything you want, you just kind of like, you get there, you click in, I need this for an hour, I need that for an hour. So we've realized that that's the need. Right. Uh, unlike how he knew, that's why he's pivoted, he's smart. As a broker, you know, you said two agents show up to the office out of however many are under you. Why? Like, right. you know. What's the point? Yeah. And then come recession time, that's a fixed cost that you you can't get out of. And, you know, if you look at some of these bigger offices and you see what their overhead is, it's ungodly. Um, and the worst part is, is main, most of them lease. Mm-hmm. The only argument that I would have for someone like you is like when you're talking about triple net, right? Is with commercial real estate you can uh, depreciate the asset thirty nine over thirty nine years. So that's I'm a weirdo, but I know these numbers two point six four percent per year. So let's just say it's a million dollar building. Uh, and you're using half or a little bit more than half of it for a thing mortgage. Right. You can rent the other half to like, let's say me or Andy or whoever. Um, you can, if you're, it's a million dollar building and you can depreciate it every year at 2.64% rate. That means you're writing off essentially $30,000 almost every single year uh, right. on the top of your, in, you know, at the top. And you can do that every year. For 29 years. And you can front load, you can front load so much of it too, because people usually have office or they used to when they were still selling for about what, five to seven years uh, on average. You can front load so much of that too, like the build out, the interest that you pay, the, the closing costs. So maybe not for office, but if you're a trucking company, buy a warehouse. If you're a, you, you know, like he does so much, he's the medical office guru here. If you're a, if you're a, a group of physicians, leasing doesn't really make sense. Oh, not at all. Not at all. That's, no, um, that's been the majority of my commercial experience. Um, and I learned this quite some time ago. Um, my ex-wife is a physician and her partner doctors were kind of pioneers in the Westover Hills area. And mm. they moved out of the Krista Santa Rosa hospital facility where mm. they were leasing and built their own freestanding building. And when you look at the numbers, you know, for what they pay compared to what, you know, by the yeah. time you pay $30 a square foot yep. plus triple net expenses, yep. right. you're paying a huge portion of what you would pay to finance and build your own building. Oh, yeah. And the the cool part about that is, you know, um, 
it just kind of created a domino effect and a flood where other people are saying, hey, we want to do this, too, and we want to do this, too. Yeah. And now you're eight buildings or whatever later, you know what I mean, of that spider web effect Absolutely. as you as you refer to it. Mm-hmm. Because once you once you do it and once you do it for a client, you realize how much sense it makes. Right. It's very easy for you to say, do you want to, you know— you, you're going to be in business for another 20 or 25 years. You mm-hmm. can go get a note and build your own building. And, and you, you just can, threw that money away. You know, or you can pay very close to the same amount in rent for the next 20, 25 years. It's up to you. With one sure. route, you're going to have an yeah. asset when you're done that's a retirement asset that you can rent out and make this exorbitant rent, you know, until right. through your retirement and pass that on to your children. Or you can simply sell it and put a few million dollars in the bank and Right off into Build the sunset, the portfolio. but it makes right. Or makes, 1031 exchange it. There you right, go. Or 1031 exchange it. Buy another, buy another, uh, <laughs> property, right? Uh, yeah. you know, um, yeah. so uh, there, there's, there's so many more. You're so greedy, it, Andy. It, You're so greedy. <laughs> <laughs> it makes, uh, it makes so much sense to go that route. Yeah. If you can. Positions, if you can. Right. And, and I remember, uh, Andy, back when you helped me negotiate the first lease here at Lock and Terra, um, they continued to, to repeat to us was, Lock and Terra is not, we're not retail. We're uh, uh, a real estate company. Like yeah. we own real estate. That's our number one money driver. And then uh, Andy and I were talking before this and he mentioned that HEB is one of the largest land owners. Uh, industrial, industrial more than anyone. Yeah. Like everything um, off of 35 and 410 is there. Yeah. When you go to, when I go to look for land for a client in Bear County and half the stuff that pops up is owned by HEB. Yeah. And you're like, okay, never going to get that one. And a lot of people don't know that, you know, there's, and they don't pay you if 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 if, if you if, if you, you try do a to leave. Yeah, anyway. they don't pay you. They're like, we don't need you. Yeah, really? yeah. And, they, and they don't. I mean, they don't need it. A lot of people think HEB is a grocery store company, and once upon a time they were. But the margin in groceries is very tiny, and oh, every yeah. center you look at mm-hmm. where HEB is the anchor store, and there's thirty businesses renting space around that anchor store. They own it all. They do, and they and and they and they won't pay us out, and they probably paid for it outright. And so they've got that rental income coming in that I obviously don't know for certain, but I would suspect we can do the passes, any, any grocery, you know, what you pay for a steak there, you know? (laughs) So, uh, right. (laughs) Well, think about all the industrial they have though. Like it's all, you know, the North, the bottom Northeast side of San Antonio, 35 and 410. If you're trying to find any industrial, uh, you can't. It's all theirs. Like, yeah. and they're and they'll lease it and have it vacant because they just may need a to may need it in the future. They may right. need it in the future. Yeah. And and he's being humble. I think he created the medical center that is now one fifty one and sixteen oh four. No, really, because he was talking to me about that stuff. <laughs> I was like, who the hell is gonna go to the hospital off one fifty one and sixteen oh four? But now it's a it's like a second medical center out there for sure. Right. It, it and has and banks love. They will still lend on medical office all day long. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things. Recession-proof. Yeah, it's recession-proof. Absolutely. Yeah, and that, um, to piggyback on one thing you said earlier about sure. the banks, that's very important for, you know, there's how I don't I don't keep track. I don't know if it's 15, 16, 17,000 licensed real estate agents in Bear well, County. We just dropped, we dropped and there's, four. And there's only four or 500, you know, real commercial real right. estate and agents. And out of those four do. or 500, no, we're being <laughs> serious, right? Like, yeah. like out of those four or 500... We all know each other. Yeah, right. right. Like it's a handful. I believe it, it, that. It's yeah. a very small, um, you know, it's a very small group. And do you do you think that that is because it is so complex or do you think no. it's because they're 
they're too few and far between on the opportunity. I know why. Because CoStar and LubeNet cost way too much. Uh, Say that again? CoStar and LubeNet, our MLS, okay, okay. right? Costs way too much. Okay. Like way eight, too much. It's, it's a month. Right, 8 yeah. a month. Oh, wow. And that's it. That's with like one listing. It, we, they're smart enough to know like, oh, you have a listing. They charge you per listing and they and they make you commit to six months up front. Where if, if I'm a residential agent, I have MLS, I give a thousand listings. Sure. Same price. Same price. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that bar, so remember last time we were talking, yeah. that bar of entry got high. Right. Okay, so and what it did is made the yeah. cream of the crop just the good looking guy. That's right. That's right. The GQs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now, question. Right before Andy, question: If an agent does residential and wanted to take a crack at helping somebody uh, procure a a, a uh, commercial lease. Can they do that or do they need to now go and pay their fees, mm. get a new uh, designation, et cetera, et cetera? I mean, layman uh, asking this here, question. Remember, here, I'm an infant. Here, here, let me let me take a crack at this and tell me if I'm wrong. I'm not saying if it's no, right no, no. to do that. No, or no, not. no. I, I want to explain to every residential agent or out here. There you go. Residential's kind of boring, but it's fun. So, what I tell residential agents is like, okay, you have an MLS that has accurate numbers that are updated every minute by like right every second. Yeah, we don't. Do you have you have comps comparable properties Absolutely. that sold? We do not. Uh, you you have lock boxes so that you can go on a Saturday at two p.m. or a Sunday. We don't. If we do a showing, the landlord has to show up, the owner has to show up. Right? It's crazy. Oh, Scheduled yeah. appointment. Scheduled appointment only. And these dudes golf every morning, so ten to three. Right? Oh, it's it's bankers' Yo, hours bro. on steroids. No, right? It bankers. Really is. Wow. Yeah. Not even. Yeah. I wish yeah. it was right. bankers' hours. <laughs> so we have to do all our business. This is why we play poker so much because we have to do all our business between ten and three, yeah, Monday yeah. through Thursday. Because Friday I can't get them on the phone. Gotcha. And they don't. So the big boys like Riata, CBRE, they they they're in house. They're they're co star. They have a back end MLS where they just share their own numbers, and so. Brokers That's what like, you were talking about last time yes. where it's exclusive. And so they have their own numbers. They know the price per square foot. So if me and Andy call, because we're not them, right? Uh, Andy's independent. I'm with the XP commercial. They're like, mm, let me see if I want to tell you the numbers that we have. So it's all hidden and it's like smoke and mirrors. So if I have a, like I'm representing a franchise or I'm helping a, uh, this really delicious restaurant, San Antonio franchise. And I told them, look, it's going to cost more time than than anything with me. I have a dedicated person on my team that calls over 250 agents to see like, what do you have subleased? What do you have in, in the, we have to call them and text them. Gotcha. This is like, this is like 1984. Like when my dad did real estate, <laughs> whereas residential, I just go click, click, click. Here's all my options, email. And then I go, I don't know what else those right. dudes do because they don't work. So like we have to work and call and right? Text. Yeah, Am I wrong? Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so if I'm a residential, you say like, oh, I'm just going to crack into commercial. It's like, bring it because you're going to have to pay 890 a month. You're going to have to have an assistant full time or you're not going to sleep. You're going to have to call 250 agents just to get options for a renter. Gotcha. You know, like just to get options for someone that's leasing. Wow. I mean, so so the best thing to do is refer Andy. So he'll, that, he'll take it for you. So that being, I, I, I can share ahead. a quick story on uh, what Jay, exactly what JJ's st- saying. Um, when I transitioned from a home builder to, I'm like, wait, what? Oh. to, to, uh, to um, general real estate, the first broker I worked for, Tamara Alarcone with uh, Full Spectrum Realty, remember, remember, great, yep. great broker. Um, and she saw me getting involved in some of these, you know, commercial transactions and she was like i remember her telling me this it's the wild west West. real estate wow it's crazy she's like there's no control there's no limits you got to double triple check everything and it's a good old they'll change the numbers on you like that good old old boys club that's hard to break into wow and so the first building that i did was a 
was a 30,000 square foot ground up medical office. It put a group of doctors together, created a holding company so they can charge rent to the holding company, write it off. Everything you were talking about earlier, we bought the land and we built the bit. We hired the contractors, the architects, and we built the building. But just getting that transaction done, you know, I would, yeah. I would call, you know, the numbers for the people that had listings and then you get this receptionist that says this is mixed flyers yo man who are you you know and you're like ah, oh, my name is andy hilger with with you know so and so really i've mm-hmm. never heard of you yeah. and you're like well uh, you know does that matter yeah. does that matter right yeah. why is that and literally that was mm-hmm. where's your office at do you have a physical office where's oh, the location wow. yeah. and no kidding this talk is about how, a gatekeeper. Yeah. i'm serious and, and i had to get out and go beat the streets and take yeah. pictures of every sign with land available and come home and See? organize it and call these people and if I called 10 of them to get the information I needed to try to advance this transaction, I might hear back from four, you know, the other ones either just didn't care or they're they didn't want to call me they're or all golfing, golfing they're or all whatever. Golfing. And you have to adapt and work with what you can get your hands on and what you can make work. And, you know, that's always been one of the, the, the best parts of my career. And this is just in that small area. And, right. you know, a few years later, I've done multiple buildings and yeah. have multiple listings. And, you know, when I get the He's call on, now. when I get the now. call on one of my, uh, you know, <laughs> listings, I'm like, so, so who, who are is you? this? <laughs> um, never. Ah, yeah. what? That's messed up, man. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Full circle. Yeah. Right. But you know. We're making it sound like this is the bat. Let me tell you why. For, well, for well, let, me, let me, let me just real quick, because the sure. question was, is it possible for it a realtor? The oh. answer is yes. But based on oh, what you why? guys have just said, Good point. Why? Why? Just give it to one of us. Right. We will pay you. You pay referrals? I pay referrals every single week, bro. Gotcha. My favorite check to write. Several of the agents on my group group have done commercial transactions, and we just end up doing it together. You know what I mean? So that they get to learn. Bring it on. We'll do it together. They probably won't do another one. Yeah, some of them are like, I don't want to mess with this. This took four months, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Yeah, for a lease. For a lease. To lease this space and nonstop work. My P&L start... They end in August for 2025 mm. because anything I wrote about past August gets paid next year. So you have like the bandwidth and the runway to do it. Right. Why well, can do this? But hear me out. While we're giving, I don't want anyone to commercialize. We're making them sound terrible. Yeah. The reason that all <laughs> this. Fuck them. I know. I know. It's fucked up. The, the reason that it's so secretive though is because we're a non-disclosure state. Mm-hmm. So what, if you're representing your client's best interest, like this dude creating, you know, holding companies for, for medical office partners and, um, the last thing they want is to have Bear County know how much they're charging and paying. So we don't throw it up there. The MLS is forced to put their numbers on there because NAR controls Correct. their their, yep. their boards, which controls yep. what they do. But Texas, another reason why a lot of people yep. come down here, it's a non-disclosure state. So the last thing that I, one of their like, how come you don't, you know, residential is like, why don't you just put the price on the flyer? I was like, because I, I would be doing a disservice to the next buyer. Correct. Of, of that's now, now, buy his medical that's a great right? point so and, that's and why maybe, it's so secretive maybe those listening may not know what you mean by that can you explain so what not, non-disclosure so, and what the impact actually te- is of texas that? is so business uh friendly that they they there's a, a law that says we don't you don't have to disclose the sale of any property residential either by the way right again mls is controlled by the board which is controlled by nar so that's how that trickles down why you because i can't put anything on the mls like call me Right, but but he has. I mean, I know because I, I look at his property all the time. He has like, what's the price per square foot to lease, or how much is is the price point? Says, and it's like, call me, and check this out. It makes so much more sense how we do it because if interest rates go like this, then shouldn't our price move? 
right? You and would so, think so. Yeah, so we can adjust price. Does right. that make sense? Yep. So all of it makes way more sense. Of course, it's more uh, labor intensive, I guess. Sure. But, you but it d- comes with the territory. 100%. And you got to be smart. You got to be good at numbers. Like yep. Andy con- creating a holding company. I mean, this dude's. So you have you have to control that information because if I, let's say us three want to go open, we're going to buy a retail center. Um, we don't want anyone to know what we what we bought it for, right? Because let's say that retail center is being taxed at one point two million in BCAD, but you know the numbers make sense, and you know we could we should buy it at one point eight. It's the last thing Absolutely. that I want anyone to Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Also, we don't want the next tenants to know what we pay for it because then they'll know how much we should be charging per rent. Do you see how they'll put that in their perception and yeah. use that as their reason to math is offer math is the only thing that we have going for us. Like, why would we give it away? So, would that be similar to let's say on the residential side, somebody listing in the MLS private listing, no, you still and see then the price. right, and then somebody wanting to buy it calls that agent and says, "Hey, I'll buy it." but you need to take it down from MLS. I, I wish it was like that. But is that possible? Uh, you see what I'm saying? I don't want to get in trouble. I don't know. It's Is it? Anytime something's on MLS, yep. um, you want it to end that supp- way. I believe their guidelines are such mm-hmm. that if it sells, a selling price is disclosed. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, concessions are disclosed. Yep. All those types of things are disclosed. The mm-hmm. whole reason... The whole reason that there's a, this entire other platform in uh, commercial real estate, right. the only reason it it exists was to create another platform where the, mm-hmm. none of that disclosure is required. Right. You know, totally. It's all behind right. the curtain. You, you put a building on the property for $2 million and you sell it and it just says sold. It's all behind the curtain. Wow. You know, you uh-huh. have to know, and I'm sure JJ does the same thing. You know, have, you have to have relationships with I gotta appraisers. Call, I gotta oh, call. You can call yeah. the appraisers and say, hey, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z. You or got anything Eddie you can and, send me? And, you know what I mean? Or, yeah. or call other brokers. Brokers and say, sure. hey, I'm trying to find, you know, call yeah. JJ. Hey, I'm trying to, you know, help a client, you know, do, with this particular property mm-hmm. here. Can't find any comps. Have you sold anything? Has your office sold anything? You just have to kind of dig in under the surface and go right. find your information. And that's mm-hmm. that's the way the process is designed. Sure. So and it's, a, it's a lot of blink twice stuff too. So like, so let's say Andy has a medical office space that he sold for $2 million off of 151 and I'm about to list one. Okay. And it, mine's a little bit smaller and older, whatever. And, um, and he just put sold. I, I would call Andy and be like, hey, buddy. Um, did you, did you get around 1.8 million? And he was like, um, well, I was a little better than that. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, like you know, it's, it's that crap. And then, and if you're a residential agent, you have all the information in front of you, like you're frustrated and they run away. Right. Yeah. But with me, I'm like, blink twice, homie. I'm going to go 1.9. Blink twice. One, oh, it's two million. Okay, cool. So then it, but here's the thing. It's all math. There's no, why I like, and I'm sure Andy's the same way because we're poker players. Right. So why I like commercial, there's no no emotion like if it doesn't work i'm like hey dude we'll get them next time right especially with the folks that you represent i would imagine well no we're well let's because i think people are getting lost in the weeds let's start about you talked about triple net and if someone's not doesn't understand what that means this is how weird commercial is like let's say uh, i have people that that own 20 houses i'm like why don't you just own a 20 uh, door apartment apartment complex and they're like uh it seems like too much from first of all it's all centralized tenants Mm -hmm. uh management is easier blah 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 but look at this like even in the commercial real estate where it's um if we all bought a retail spot the tenant think about this they lease they they lease from us a price per square foot per month or year right they maintain it they build it out to the spec for themselves we might throw a little bit in there ti money yep yep and they pay the taxes and insurance. Could you imagine? If, and they I, pay the property management. They could, yeah. All, I mean, they pay right. everything. Yeah, yeah. We just we they as owners we just we just like 
so it's weird because our gross profit is, profit is our net profit. Yep. And those numbers are crucial because that is how we find value in real estate. Um, everyone looks online and they're like, oh, it's an NOI. It's, you know, it's um, net operating income. So what we take off the top or on the bottom divided by the value equals the cap rate. The bad thing about cap rates, especially right now, is cap rates are, are it's a formula that the weighted average of equity and the weighted average of debt are added together. So I'll give you an example. So if Frost Bank is only giving uh, loans or 20-year notes at um, 9% interest with 30% down, then we have to say like, okay, if my investor, let's use a million dollars. If my investor has uh, $300,000 that they have to put down as a down payment, they lose that money in the market. So what would they want as a return on that money right now? And so you, so we actually have to know Bloomberg stuff. Like gotcha. I, I, I got to know what, what, uh, what uh, is the index? Sitting yes. Yep. And so I have to look at the index and say, okay, so that's a formula times 0.3. And then there's, there's a, a, a decimal and, and four numbers on the right side. And then I got to go take a freaking frost bank banker out there to lunch or coffee. That's what I spend most of my half my days doing. And I got to say, what are your terms? And I find the best terms. And then I get to figure that out. And then I add them together and that's a cap rate. Gotcha. So the good thing though, is like, once you figure it out, like, this is what it's going to sell for. Cause right. this is what it, this is what it can be, um, you know, bar- finance, finance. Yeah. And that's it. Whereas residential is like, well, I really like the master. Like, there's none of that crap. <laughs> yeah. There's so, a, so that. No, go ahead, Andy. Say, it, it is a lot more complexity, and and I know mm-hmm. JJ's probably dealt with a lot of this as well with these banks. I would say, in my experience, I'm sure it depends on price point. Most of the time, they're splitting up the notes. Right. You know, so like right. you go to Frost Bank or whatever bank, and they say, "Yeah, we want medical offices. We're going to take this to our board. Yeah, we're going to approve it." And then when you get the term sheet from whatever bank it is, a lot of times they're they're, they're going to take forty percent, mm. and Bank B is going to take forty yeah, percent. Right. And there's a completely different note, a completely different lien on lien. the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the buyer is going to put down that remaining twenty percent or whatever. Mm. Or, or in some cases, they do an SBA route and they put ten percent down. No, oh, that is the one. Late. That is the one time that there's. It's almost like you all is, is the SBA. If you're using, like, if you know, if you're you, if you're a restaurant and you're buying the it for you, the use of your company, it's like FHA. It's ten percent down right now. The interest rates aren't that bad. Well, they're like seven and a half percent. Like ten mm-hmm. percent. That's down, not seven, bad. That's no, bad. hell no. Like you as a loan no, if, for the benefit of yeah. what you get as thus far. What I've heard of yeah. being an actual owner of a commercial building. Sure. Hey man, seven percent. Take your money and run. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So <laughs> that that's how it is. So. You guys talked a lot about the basics and whatnot, and and I I have one more question to that regard, which you mentioned a little bit, but how the hell do you guys figure out comparables on commercial space? Does it have to do with the the use of it? Uh, I mean, how is any of that stuff determined? No, I kind of explained it. It's commercial real estate is worth the income that it it creates. Right. If you ever look at a commercial appraisal would be a great way to to learn this. You look at a commercial, which are, which are expensive. You know, we do, you know, appraiser, appraisal, it's six, $700. Um, the commercial appraisals I've seen are like 3000. They're they're much more expensive that the buyer has to pay for this appraisal. But the, the asset, the, the physical asset is Mm -hmm. only one factor of that. That How much money? Yeah. The, The rest of it is what's the going rate for rent in this market. How many square feet is in the building? How much income can it produce right. based on what the market will bear? And what the property is going to be used for. And what it's going to be used mm-hmm. for. And mm-hmm. so, and those calculations are all there. You know, the average rate in this area is $24 a square foot or whatever it might be, plus triple net. Gotcha. And, and the, the 
the income generation aspect for the future mm-hmm. is a big part of what the determination is for what that building is worth. Gotcha. And in and in residential real estate, you don't see any of that. You know, it's not even really brought into the. No, equation. there's comps. Right. right. There's just right. comps in in that world. It's um, probably a little bit more heavily weighted toward what location kind of income will this bring that in, makes right? sense but 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 even more so think about as an investor i know it seems like oh this is so complicated think about all right let's say do i want to own 20 houses or apartment complex let's go back to that if, if i own 20 houses on a block anytime any of those sell around us that's going to directly affect Absolutely. our value yep, right. but if we buy an apartment complex all we got to do is raise the rent right you know does that, that make sense? sense it sure does actually. so so we don't like so that's what I'm saying. Like you can be in the ghetto, or oh, I can't say that. You can be in I a. I mean, uh, but at the same time, you are also <laughs> you accounting be, for the vacancy factor. If that is the case, you lower the rent, which also yeah. increases your revenue, which brings that value sure. right back up. But sometimes, like what they were doing so much in 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 here in San Antonio is, we only made Class A. We didn't have we didn't make any Class B, and then San Antonio's blue collar, so they can they can't afford Class A. So explain you, Class A, Class B. Class A is brand new. Um, you know, high price per square foot um, apartment complexes. Very good. Like, if you think about the rim 15 years ago, there right. was none of this. Correct. Uh, think about uh, the Pearl or near like South Florida is where the HEB is. All those apartment complexes, the new ones are just, they're, they're swanky. They got the pool, they yep. got all the stuff. But my sis, I always look at like my siblings or like my cousins that are just blue collar San Antonians, like they can't afford that, bro. Right. They can't afford that. So no one built any, um, they didn't build anything for them. So what ended up happening in the last 15 or so years is that there was all these ugly apartments from like the seventies and eighties that you would see on like Vance Jackson, Jackson Keller. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you saw like, man, that looks dilapidated. And they would come in there and then they're like gray with like mint trim. And now it's called, it's called like, La Quinta. like the park at Jackson <laughs> yeah. Keller. And you're like, what the hell? And you, but, but right here, UTSA yeah, Boulevard, they yeah, do the same yeah. thing. Still but, orange on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, dude, that, I, I never wanted a party there, but now I'm, I kind of want to. So, <laughs> exactly. so think about that investment. You can go into a demographic. It's not location. It's like, no, now they, they got something, put lipstick on the pig or even better. They made those uh, rents go up because they put in work and made the amenities better. Yeah. And it doesn't matter the location. Mm-hmm. So much more control as an investor is in commercial. You just got to like, so get ready so for it. when, because every so often, Mm-hmm. I'll do a search online just to look at office spaces and you'll see and well this is just, just for kidding. for for information purposes some of the properties actually do have a price per square foot or a value if you want to buy the whole building so that would mean that they've already done the calculations based on the best use of this property blah 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 uh, blah, blah but at the same time it doesn't mean that that's accurate. I don't want to give away my market. If they're putting it out there, if that makes sense. I don't want to give away my marketing strategy, but this is how it usually goes. <laughs> no, I don't want to give it away, but, but here we go. I'm sure Andy's the same way. If I'm like, I'm, a, I'm, I just, I got this, this really cool, nearly historic warehouse right by Alamo Dome. Okay. Um, the best use for it is a distillery or a brewery. Okay. So I'm going to go do, so it's not on the Coastar or, well, it's on Coastar, but it's just like, call me if you want the price. Where is it at? Uh, it's on Hofkin. Oh, Hofkin. Okay. Have, my, um, my buddy owns a MMA gym right, right by there. Okay. Tell him yeah. to call me. So, um, the best uses for a brewery is perfect because, you know, the, the missions are coming right across the street. It's right by the Alamo Dome. It should be a distillery because you can distill on, it has a, as what what are the, a conveyor belt, dude? Oh wow! So they can actually like sell it out the back, have people taste it on the bottom. You see, them? Yeah, super cool. Yeah, that's the best use. 
like I did, a, it's called a feasibility study. What feasibility. Is, there you go. What is Correct. the best use for that? So that, so, so a brewery or, or a distillery, they should pay a certain price because it's premiumly located for them. Walkability, Built all that out stuff. for that. The yeah. whole nine. Yep. Now, so strategy for marketing as a listing agent is like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell anyone a price because the certain price for this demographic, this, this class of people should be this, but they should be paying premium because it's awesome. Right. But let's say Withering Springs and, you know, all the different breweries uh, and distillers are like, no, we don't want anything there. Okay. Well, then who's the second best user? Gotcha. The second best user, I think, would be like a trucking company or a small to mid size storage. Well, yes and or no. Or still the assembly concept. Yeah. Maybe light industrial, light industrial, like gotcha. someone that's like, you know, making small, putting stuff together. And shipping it out. That's probably second best. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Second best use a little bit of manufacturing and then distribution. And then the third one is just like someone's going to chop it up and just lease it. So three different prices. Gotcha. So we go we go to A, and if we, we run out of a runway, everyone told us no or F off. We go to uh, marketing B, marketing C. If you get past those three, then... Then you have to kind of put price in so that so that because these are all local eyeballs. So then if I if, right. I, if I want national eyeballs, then so we we called all the brokers. I called Andy. I told him you want it. No, I told I called because we don't just sit. We actually called all the brewers, all the distillers. They told us f off. We called all of the manufacturing companies. They said we don't need it. It's too ball, too small, too big, whatever. And then we're like, okay, we're out of options. So like now six months, and this is six nine months into a listing. Then sure. I'm like, all right, let's see if we can get some national eyeballs on it. And because see. The national, there's commercial real estate investment trust that might just want to buy it to keep it vacant. As an asset. No, just to keep it vacant. Oh, really? Just to write it off. Uh, there's so many people that call me like, hey, dude, how much is this property? Why aren't they selling it? I was like, and I hope we have these problems one day. But like, <laughs> if they're a commercial real estate investment trust that owns a bunch of warehouse yeah. and they do a 1031 exchange, they might want to just buy just to hold it and just be like, you know what? That's going to be worth a lot more later once sure. the missions come out. I just want to, I just want to eat crap. I want it to like be an, I want it to, ble- I want to bleed out into it. Correct. I wish we had those problems, but we don't yet. So that's the see. It's so much more versus it's very just, intricate. Absolutely. Yeah, versus just put on MLS and like pray. Yeah. One thing that comes to mind in commercial real estate here, and you say that is, um, it's very true. Is in commercial more than any other um, aspect of real estate, everything is always for sale. Mm. The statement no. that everything is for sale. Shit. In commercial real estate, everything is all for sale. I'm sure JJ gets a lot of this too. You know, you do one of these projects, you build one of these buildings, you fill it up with tenants, and you and I've had pension funds from other states, you know, contact mm-hmm. me, um, asset managers for, mm-hmm. you know, uh, from other states, uh, con- wanting to know if they can do a presentation to go through, you know what they would offer from the building, the buy, real estate investment trusts. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, uh, these are the buyers PPMs. of these types of assets, and they're mm-hmm. always looking. They're gotcha. always looking. You know, when you when you own one, you're going to get approached. Mm-hmm. They're always looking. Um, they're like on the prowl, you know, if they can mm-hmm. get the right deal. And, but they don't want them until you filled it up with tenants, and it's got yeah. a, a calculator. Because they're in your right. Correct. Right, yeah. they, they they're buying that cap rate. That That's exactly what it That's is. That's all they're buying. You know I what I mean? The, the building needs to be in good shape. It's going to hold up. It looks good. It was built right. Everybody's happy with it. There's not any issues. That's great. Mm-hmm. And then now. What is this return? Yep. Right. And and just like the banks that buy these notes are diversifying their f- portfolios yeah. by taking on different types of uh, commercial, you know, um, notes, these real estate investment trusts and, um, you know, fund managers and pension fund managers, they're diversifying that per- mm. portfolio that they manage by bringing in some 
fixed income, you know, um, assets to that. that. Which which makes our region very attractive. So think about like if you run a CRE, commercial real estate investment trust, and you have a lot of stuff in like Kansas. I don't want, I don't want to talk crap. I don't <laughs> Oklahoma. Know. I, no, they're they're good. No, like you know somewhere somewhere where you're like man, it's you know whatever. Like Detroit for a while, like mm-hmm. they couldn't they couldn't get any kind of business going. Well, man, they're gonna rush to get their money out of there and put it into here because at least we have like job growth. A lot of people don't know this, but Laredo is the number one trucking port in North America, mm. and we're the first stop. Yeah, do you see what I'm saying? And so these are some factors because we're on the key that factors. Po- yeah, we're on the absolutely. key factors podcast. These are some factors that 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 are key. Yeah, <laughs> too Too motherfucking shade. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, and that makes all the sense in the world. Um, and I'm glad we got a lot of the uh, basics, higher level of the basics, and mm-hmm. nuance to what it is that commercial has to offer to folks out there. But now I want to talk about what the hell's going on with commercial real estate on a national scale Mm -hmm. um, that could have some implications on everyone else simply because of the things that you guys are talking about. If somebody as a larger corporation, I'm pretty sure Lock and Terra LLC owns more real estate than just Lock and Terra Mall. For sure. Um, And just like you guys are saying, they diversify. So if they're going to uh, unload properties over here, they're going to go look for other properties in another location that they can fill their books with and keep these investors or shareholders or whoever it is getting Mm -hmm. their dividend check. And the demand for those dividend checks or the... the, uh, increases payouts to those investors is is doubling every year. They're, they want more, mm-hmm. they want more, they want more. That being the case, COVID changed mm-hmm. a lot of what you guys do. It changed a lot of how we as consumers, um, commercial investors, view commercial real estate as a whole. Sure. In addition to that, we've got a lot of buyers of commercial real estate property that purchased and financed at a very, very low rate during the pandemic and more than likely do it on an arm or a short term type loan right. that a lot are about to be coming due here soon and needing to be refinanced. There's a lot of money on the books that is being lost because of the vacancy factors. Um, triple nets have gone down and all, all of those things on a national scale. Mm-hmm. From you guys' perspective, are you thinking that it is going to eventually or quickly affect the remaining market that we actually operate in? Um, A lot has changed. I certainly agree with that. Um, You know, the video that you showed earlier talking about all these vacancies, I think the most impacted by what you're talking about is traditional office space, you know, mm-hmm. your um, your call centers, your, you know, your data entry folks, um, you know, where some of these big companies have hundreds of people that do this type of work. And COVID did teach people that a lot of this could be done from home. You sure. know what I mean? And if you sure. have 100,000 square feet full of, full of people making calls and, you know, cubicles or whatever the case right. may be, they can do it half the time from home and you can take half the space. Sure. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that's because a very popular concept. You know, I talk to a lot of people that work for big companies and big corporations and in in, in 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 pretty good positions. And I'm hearing a lot of this lately. They say, you know, you know, they're usually my age and our age is like you get off your ass and you get up and you go to work. That's there's right. no alternative right. to that. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Uh, it is what it is. And they said, but the the work environment has changed so much, they're missing out on 
the best talent by not being when they're looking for a vice president or a high ranking Absolutely. official of within their company because they don't have the if they don't have the flexibility to allow them to work from home once right. or twice a week or whatever mm-hmm. maybe which is be. in my opinion that's the expectation that's a damn shame but hey that's the expect, that's Correct. the expect, that's the expectation nowadays so that's um the world is adapting to that yeah um and so I think you see the biggest uh, vacancies in real estate in that arena, and it'll probably take several years for that to work itself out. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you in my little bubble in medical offices in Westover Hills, um, it's always rock and roll. Like, oh, yeah. like, like JJ has said, uh, you know, it kind of became the second medical center and everybody that had it a did. significant, significant, you know, medical business downtown or in the medical center in San Antonio mm-hmm. wanted, franchised to, out wanted to get a, wanted to get a branch and they mm-hmm. would fill my lease space. They would take a spot. They would, I would do, you know, put partner them up with another doctor and they mm-hmm. would share the space. You know, everybody wanted to get it, build their own building. Everybody wanted to get into Westover Hills. And then what happened now is, the market's still moving, but what's struggling is shell space because the big right. corporate mm-hmm. guys came and built huge buildings. Now you have you have huge vacant buildings, you know, all over the place in Westover Hills that's all shell space. And so what you see is your second generation space is flying off the shelf. So yeah. for those that don't know, second generation me a shell space means that there's just a cold dark shell. You, you see those buildings it's called white box where it's called where yeah, it's just a white box. And mm-hmm. you, now in those cases, someone like myself goes in to use it for office space. I go and build it out. You yeah. go and build it out. You right. put the walls where you want them. There you right. Go. Well, you know, a 5,000 square foot medical building is going to be a five to $600,000 build out. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of sinks. Absolutely. There's a lot of plumbing. There's a lot of work mm-hmm. that has to be Sprinkled. done. And so if you, and you're going to do a 10 year lease, well, if you're going to do a 10 year lease for your medical office and you can find one that's already built out, right. you can see how that's a home run oh, from anybody's perspective. So that type of space is still moving and moving very quickly. And, but the shell space has become pretty saturated, you mm-hmm. know, and every email I get now is, do you have any, any second generation stuff we could look at? Do you have anything wow. in the second generation? Cause everybody's trying to save that cost and, and gear toward that direction. Makes sure. sense. That makes sense. Yeah. He's talking about exactly what's happening. So remember the buckets when we started, it was, you know, if I'm, if I'm an asset manager of like Frostbank, I want office, uh, multifamily industrial, and then I want retail. Well, office was the first to go. 2020 knocked it out, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're bleeding out. So if, if we have those assets, then we're losing money on a on a monthly basis as a bank. And people are just not making their payments. They're readjusting their mortgage or their, yeah, their mortgages if they can. Um, they're not being leased out. You know, projections are all totally off. Here's the second bucket to not get full. Uh, remember we're talking about the multifamilies where they were, it was almost like a flip where you go get something at a, like a 4% or 5% interest rate. You put lipstick on the pig. So you have really good rents. Um, and then you would have a really good cap rate because you have a really good return because your mortgage payments here, uh, you, your rents were here. And now, now you make them up here. You just like, now you're making some really good money and they would just literally flip it. And then sell it to another investor. They tend to exchange it, not pay taxes. Not pay t- and right. they keep on going, boom, boom, boom. This is what happened. Now, five years later, the numbers are right here. Um, 20, 270 billion this year is going to come up for refi. Wow. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I know you're going to go there. That's exactly what I'm talking but about. But now, they're the, the, these, these, because most say that it's too big to fail, and I have to agree with them. Well, let's get there. Okay. So, so 270 billion of refi coming this year, 2024, right? So let's say you have a really good relationship with Frostbank. You've done like three 
flips or whatever, you've taken their money and, and you gone and they're like, hey, uh, I need to refinance this deal because it's they only do five year balloons, homie. Right. So the ones right. five years ago, they're like, hey, we're ready to to either put this to a twenty year or whatever because everyone's kind of like they're they're trigger shy, right? Mm-hmm. And then Frost goes, sorry, homie, I, I we can't. Because interest rate, the Fed is messed up. The interest rates are higher, right? And if you, they'll give them, they'll give them a deal that they don't like. They'll say, "All right, man, we need forty percent down, so you got to put some money in." That makes sense. Bring some money to the table, and we had you at four and a half. Now we have to have you at nine. And they're like, "Well, if we take that on, then our cap rate now our investment sucks." Yes. Does that make sense? It actually does. So all these refis aren't happening. So the second bucket, which is multifamily, is which is making everything tighten up more. Right. Um. Which is now affecting if they'll land on definitely land is sucks. Um, they don't want land because I mean now look at the projections. So land, so land is now being affected because you can't really finance. You see, right. so like the buckets makes so much sense. These buckets waters are leaking so much that they're not just going to pour more into it. Right. So there lies where we're going to be affected from the other regions. To us, I'm, the craziest story that I heard was in San Francisco. There was like a. I don't know, some ungodly $145 million uh, high rise that was just nearly vacant. So they got a broker. I know. Wow. They, they got a broker to to list it, to auction it for one reason. Check this out. And this might happen here, homie. We might be getting a lot of, uh, maybe me and you just partner up on this. So they list these properties and they auction it. And the highest bid was $55 million out of $145 million. Mm. And they only only did that just to go back to their bank and be like, this is what it's worth. Let's renegotiate the terms. Boom. I think, mean, it, think it, about it's, that. It's smart on their part. Yeah. hundred percent. They paid uh, the broker out. They said, and, thank and you for I, your service. What I yeah. find funny is very different than residential side. But think about that. Can, imagine, imagine you listen to your house just to like, say like, bro, it's only worth, worth a third of what you lent. Like, can we, can we work something out? Yeah. That's what I mean. But, is, but they have leverage because the bank's like, what else do I do? And unlike right? residential, you can't go to the bank and you're not trying to sell it, you're trying to keep it, but renegotiate the actual terms So that it makes it, sense. So that it makes sense on residential side of the tracks, mm-hmm. you have to actually actualize the sale for that to even matter. You can go dispute the taxes on right. it, but you're only saving a little bit. But in this aspect, you can literally go, and I, I watched a, a good documentary on this or a podcast on it. Mm-hmm. You can literally, as the commercial real estate, depending on how much assets you have on hand or how much property you have on hand with these investors, sure. banks- can renegotiate your terms based on the new that's value awesome. that it has. I that's, mean, that's a cool concept, but is that fair? It is fair because if not, um, you know, if you if you bank with Frost or I bank with PNC, like if if PNC like needs to renegotiate some some mortgages for like a ten year term, um, then like maybe they only pay interest or whatever, and right. they, then so that I can still go get money from my bank. Like I'm good. Mm-hmm. Like do your thing. Um, so yeah, I think there's ways out. what's going to, would that not yet put the commercial owner in a position of never really needing to be too, too scared about their property if they have the ability to renegotiate that. And realistically, the only person that's on the hook is the bank, the person lending the money. But who makes the most money, right? Like so, it all depends. What's the best use of the property? Let's get a feasibility. Let's compare it to what they make on the note, et cetera. I mean, there's again more nuance to it. I mean, I I can geek out on this all day long. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I can geek out on this all day long. Well, then we got to change the ten to one um, lending rate then, Mm. because 
you know banks if you absolutely they leverage ten to one every dollar that they yes, have. Yes, sir. Then the only way for that for what you're saying they need to, stop, to keep more on reserves. Yes. So so if you're allowing them to leverage ten to one and you want the economy to be robust, then they have to take risk. No one knew COVID was happening. Of course. It was a really good run with multifamily. Or, that was super fun. Or that? did they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. No, no. Yeah. So like, no, then you got to change, you know, I can geek out into this. So then you got to change the 10 to 1 leverage. And if, and that's not going to change for a while. So, so then look, we don't have to bail them out in 08. This is our, our fault. That was my fault in 08. I was like, if you could fog a mirror in 2007, I was getting you a house. <laughs> that's my fault. Um, um, this isn't our fault this time. It's it's other economic factors. There's other levers that have been it's, pulled. It's inflation. Totally what, what's happening is inflation is tightening everyone's budgets up. Those budgets are making class brand new class or brand new class A is still case. Okay, so the the second oldest then has to drop price, so their cap rate changed. So they go to refi. Those numbers don't look good. Those terms suck. And so like inflation is what's driving for sure the squeeze. Yep, not our fault. Um, and so therefore we are going to see a change in the next five, 10 years as an investor though, gets, get you some multifamily, get you some industrial, get you some medical office if you can, because this is going to be the biggest exchange of wealth I think we'll ever see in our lifetime. Cause we're already in our forties. And a lot of folks continue to talk about hundred percent. Yeah. Cause like everyone's like, Oh, I wish I would have bought in 2021. I was like, what? Like I never like, why would you buy when the roller coaster is going up? There, there's no reason to do that. Buy low, sell high, correct. And, and I'll add something to that, JJ, because a lot of people hear about, you know, the Fed changing the interest rate. And I think a lot of people don't really understand how that works. Mm-hmm. And, and JJ just touched on it, that 10 to 1. There's a reserve requirement right. that every bank in the country has, the correct. biggest. And we're talking billions and billions, maybe even trillions, I don't right. know, of dollars that are moved around every single day. Oh, yeah. They they have to, chase, it moves the most. They have to balance every that. Day. They have to meet that re- reserve requirement mm-hmm. so that at the end of every single day a bank is going to either be plus or minus and i've got to call jj and say hey i need 40 billion dollars you know what i mean to, yeah. right. to, what and, note are you going to call in right and so that the, when the government changes that rate they're changing what's called a fed funds rate so mm-hmm. they have that they have a rate that does nothing more than create the market you Correct. see what I mean? They Correct. say, you can come to us and you can get that money overnight for four and a half percent. Well, other banks are going to beat it and it's going to create a market. Absolutely. You see what I mean? And, and, and that, to layman term this and help you out a little bit is most consumers, when the Fed makes an announcement for the rate up, down, not moving, that's not the rate that you get as a Correct. consumer. This is the rate that the, the the investors, the banks get from the Fed that then lend to you. Right. So back in the day, 2020... We heard the Fed rate is at 0%. And I have customers that would call and go, Why can I, I get 0%? I'd like to refinance at 0%. I'd, yeah, me too. Yeah. But unfortunately, it somebody's got to make money. There's a spread right. between that and then a spread between from lender to investor, investor, et cetera, et cetera. And over time, that's what that, Andy's talking is about. As that here. rate For changes, sure. it affects all these other rates. You yes. know what I mean? It, it, yes. it affects, you know, when you Domino want to borrow money for way. anything, yep. what your credit card rate is, what you pay for a mortgage, because these, these all come from who? banks. Mm-hmm. So they're all affected by that change to right. the rate and mm-hmm. eventually it impacts everything. Um, so yeah, that's exactly right. No, that makes perfect sense. Uh, and and now that being the case, do you see an alternative universe to where these commercial spaces that aren't being filled by the normal use of what they were being converted that's to m- now residential. No, that's my favorite game. So, <laughs> so check it out. Like there's, there's mid rise buildings that have parking garages that are butt up against it. Mm-hmm. And there's places, uh, that they're making them self storage. 
where you just drive through really a metal frame building. Think about it. You can just like you can just go like imagine having self storage that's stacked. Oh yeah. Uh, there's this one. Um, I mean, where I keep my storage unit right here across the street at the, what the hell is it called? Square storage. Sure. That's the coolest thing I've ever Yeah, I mean, they're you cool. You just go in by yourself. You're enclosed. Yeah, it's like that. Done. You're there. They're also like, you know, if you look at like office, someone did it, maybe it was in the Pacific Northwest or whatever. They cut a big hole in the middle of it so there could be enough sunlight to have a courtyards to make like a high rise into condos. Um, so there will be a change of like what we're going to use, um, office for. I feel like office as we know it is never going to come back. Uh, we can all agree on that. I don't think anyone's going to debate that. Not on the same level for certain. Definitely not. Um, and so there's going to be this thing where we're all going to adapt to those pieces of land. Um, they might get scrapped. Some of them I think need to get scrapped. It's funny. You can see relics of this before. Um, in the 19, before the savings and loans in 1987, like you go up Warsbach and like, um, Vance Jackson, you see all these office buildings that all look from that time. Oh yeah. That's because back then it was like five, you're a a doctor, you could do 5% down and you only needed 2000 square feet, but you built 20,000 and it was like their medical and I 10, uh, all that. Yeah, absolutely. I know exactly. So these, we we have really pink buildings. Yeah. They're like, they're like, those are like, they look so outdated. Mm Mm-hmm. We've seen relics of this before. It's just like like I'm I'm like a walk driving around Athens because we've seen relics of this type of thing before. They were lending too they were too loose on lending, crap changed, so they're like they halted. And so yeah, that's exactly what's gonna happen now. No matter what. That makes all the sense in the world. Um okay, so now we've we've covered the basics, we've covered the concept of what's actually happening from a national scale mm-hmm. um, and the money and how it can shift and essentially change in way of terms based on the amount of rent or usability that it's bringing in with sure. those banks. We know that more than likely there's plenty of loans that are going to need to be refinanced here in the next coming future, near very near future. Sure. Are they too big to fail? We don't know. I don't think so, but who knows? Only time will tell. I think we tighten up really, um, sure. really tight. So I want to read a quick article here, sure. and you guys tell me if it is spot on or if they're just full of it. Um, this is coming directly from NAR, uh, and this says, now it's a little outdated, but sure. I don't think things are moving too, too quickly. Uh, July 2023, commercial real estate market insight. Leasing uh, velocity slows down in commercial real estate during year's second quarter, uh, while there's still much uncertain about the total impact of the banking failures earlier this year, and we know about that part that right. bailed out, bailed out. Um, they are rising concerns of speculation about where commercial real estate is headed, since commercial real estate relies heavily on small banks and capital uh, for capital. A ballpark in lending among these banks could further impact commercial real estate. However, data shows that the commercial real estate lending activity is increasing weekly. Meanwhile, delinquency rates uh, for commercial loans have increased since the end of 2022, um, but they remain below 1%. Never, uh, nevertheless, delinquencies are expected to rise further in the year's second half, and we know that they did continue to rise. So uh, continuing on as a result, most commercial real estate sectors continue to experience slower rent growths and higher vacancy rates compared to the previous year in the 
office sector, there is a more available space for lease than ever before. Um, despite multiple efforts to uh, repurpose uses office space and slow the return to office movement continues to hurt this sector. In the multifamily sector, rent growth has slowed even further compared to the beginning of the year, but vacancy rates remain virtually the same in the second quarter compared to the previous quarter. Although lease activity continues to slow down in the retail sector, the vacancy rate remains near 4%. The low rate in other sectors' commercial real estate, finally, the performance in the industrial sector has eased, has eased from the 2022 record high, but rent prices for industrial spaces grew more than 8% significantly higher, mm-hmm. uh, faster than pre-pandemic, which what can we that's, attribute that's that a, to? That's, you know, that's I, the Amazon effect. Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. the Amazon effect. I mean, and we're we're pretty much covering a lot of this stuff here without even reading this article yeah, that I, we talked I could, about I, today. Me and Andy could have written this better. I think... Uh, you know, I think there's a little bit of um, of deflection here. Just my opinion, sure, but, sure. Uh, but you know, they're tying this to bank struggles and an association with a slowdown in commercial real estate. Um, maybe that's a tiny fraction, right? But I think more so, um, more impactful for banks are the rise in the ten year bond. Mm-hmm. But, oh, I take that back. Short trip. one year, two year, ten year, five year, thirty year. Sure, the rise in bonds over the la- in a very short period of time mm-hmm. has a much you know much more substantial impact on a bank's bottom line. Um, just like banks invest in commercial real estate, um, they, they they always in, try to invest in fixed income assets. Sure, so they have a predictable. They're trying to manage a daily number. You know, to yep. to, to have a fixed amount of money yep. coming in. And a lot of that goes into the bond market. And so you have had interest rates on these bonds skyrocket in a very short period of time over a couple of years. Well, that means if you have a 10-year bond that you bought five years ago, the face value of that bond, you know, today or last year is like 60% of what, yeah, you know, so, so you can't. Less. So what are you going to do? Are you going to sell that bond and take a 40% loss? Nope. Or are you going to sit here and hold it and continue to collect a 2% yield mm-hmm. when the going rate is now 5%? Right. Or whatever the case may Cut be. Cut your losses. Either way, you're stuck in a real bad spot where you're losing mm-hmm. a lot of money. And that happens on a very large scale. Right. I mean, right. over very long periods of time. And even it got to a point, I haven't followed it recently, for a while, the yield curves were even inverted, where you could go to the market and buy a two-year bond with only a two-year obligation that pays you more of a yield than a 10-year bond. That's right. Well, how are you going to sell your 10-year bond? You know what I mean? Like, And uh, as we know, the inversion of that means that we've got that recession coming, but what the hell happened? We climbed out of it quickly, or did we? I mean, it's like, what's coming next? So that's my, you know, you you talk about bank struggles and it being tied to commercial real estate. I would, my opinion on that would be like, that's a tiny fraction compared to the real challenges that they're dealing with. And it's just kind of being pointed in that direction. Think about where all the money is right now. It's everyone's sitting on equity. It, it truly is because it's, it's either in equity or it's on a charge card or, right. or <laughs> credit card, you know. And one's got to give. Yes. Right? So, so like I said, I feel like uh, like talking to normal families, and you know, I I, mean, I I said this last time I was on here. So I think you're going to get into the next phase that that we can cap this all off. Oh, I think Go I'm ahead. not sure, Go ahead. but this last piece, and you correct me if I'm wrong. 
I want to talk about how it can impact the everyday person, being okay. that it's commercial, not, doesn't have anything to do with them per se, but definitely can possibly will have an impact on everybody. Sure. I think, Is that where you were going? Yes, Perfect. for sure. Okay, so good deal. inflation um, is is happening um, in, I mean, more than we've seen in our lifetime. I Absolutely. was born in 79, so yeah. I've never seen anything like this. You talk to, you know, there's memes and everything about it. Like, you can't go outside for under $100. Like, uh, dude, <laughs> H-E-B, bro. Yeah. It's, it costs more money to, to cook at home. <laughs> think about that inversion, right? The first time in my lifetime right. where, where if I go to Salada, I can eat. $13 and I can't feed my ch- my child or anyone for $13 per person and I'm a numbers guy so I'm, I'm not I'm not cheap I just know my numbers you ain't right? eating it it's a lot of no, the whole family <laughs> no but me one meal. I'm Correct. just being selfish exactly. <laughs> they can starve no but like you but I do those things like it's $13 a head if I eat here but if I cook it's like you know same 40 yeah. bucks a head I'm like and I had to clean up and cook mm. so uh, I've never we've never seen this uh, this inflation before and and what that's happening is a combination of things. It's, you know, free money that was on the market for a long time, interest rates were, that were too low. Uh, so the only way to think about, we spill water on this, this, I'm not going to give them any credit because I haven't sponsored you, but this, this water on this table. And then, then, then inflation is a, is a sponge to kind of absorb it. Sure. So how do you absorb it? You have interest rates are up. How this is affecting average Americans, um, more than San Antonio's because we already started with a low, uh, you know, standard of living. Right. Because uh, I went to go visit my friends in California. I was like, holy smokes, bro. Like, we went to the grocery store. I was like, does this come with, like, a like a free servant? Like, it was crazy. <laughs> they come cooking. Yeah. I'm like, I dude. What he like, to yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but we, we've been so blessed in such a, I love Santa. We're starting to feel it, but we're blue collar. So just San Antonio's in general, we're blue collar. Or we don't, you know, you talk to people, they get the 3% annual increase but we have 14 percent uh, uh increase in, in you can't in, say it's all fixed but it's very close to it's, a fixed it's, it's type very lifestyle it's very living. close yes. so now that the rents are going to get high in retail because remember the buckets back to the buckets Absolutely. how are they going to make up for these other buckets hurting they're going to say like look now when we rent to industrial and retail it's higher mm-hmm. so so now you're the cost of goods and services are higher correct which squeezes America more. Absolutely. Which forces them into debt. Yes. Which forces them when my business partner or or when he does residential goes and says, hey, we got to list your house. And then usually it's like, why? Well, I want the dream home. And the next one, they're like, I just got to pay off my debt. Right. So this is how we're getting squeezed at all angles to get to shake the, you know, bust the piñata to get where all the money is, which is equity that people are sitting on. And it's working. It, it is. And, and, and I can't. Right? Yeah. necessarily fault the investors or anything like that for having to raise rents simply and and one would say well they're being greedy it's a business it's a business this is how they make their money yeah. this is how they're used to making their money and and let's be honest and real they're the ones that took the risk initially at some point in time to make that decision to do that and for the folks that say well that that's not fair life's not fair number 1 <laughs> number 2 if you were in the position that you took that risk to become that investor to start with residential, switch over to commercial, now you're onto apartment complexes, now you're onto XXYZ, right. wouldn't you think that you would want to maintain that level of lifestyle living? Um, because once you grow that large, it's not just you that you're you're having to feed. Uh, you've now got 
corporations, you've got shell companies, you've got uh, shareholders, investors, banks counting on you. There's, taxes. there's taxes. There's so many different factors that are a burden for the actual investor. And, and, and I was watching something the other day to where how we were talking about the consumers and their rents going up and they were the ones that were getting a lot of the relief. But at the same time, you still had landlords similar to uh, the servicers of notes that were receiving the consumer receiving the relief to go into forbearance and not having to pay their actual mortgage. Mm -hmm. Well, that note was still due. So those investors still had to make those payments, just like the landlords still have to make their payments to the investors, et cetera. There's a lot of that that still has not been filled within the realm of bringing the books back to even or or getting out of that hole. Is that going to affect us more than we think? And I think you have alluded to that. It it has to because it's kind of the trickle down effect. The average American is getting into debt, man. And so it's everything's getting too expensive. And so we're. We gotta, we gotta live in our means, and America doesn't know how to do that. And the only way to do that is to, like they're forcing our hand, mm-hmm. um, and it's working, right? It's definitely working, and, and it's um, gonna be like that for a while. What you were, I think, what you're referring to, Mark, I can remember in 2020 and 2021. Every time I talked to my real estate attorney for help on a project that I'm working on, he would say he's buried in rent abatements. Oof. So rent abatements mean that you're re- renegotiating somebody's rent and maybe it was a five-year lease and you're going to say, okay, the only way we can stay here and not default on you mm-hmm. is if you let us go six months without paying anything and then we're going to add six fix. months mm-hmm. to the term. And so a lot of that took place. Um and a lot of it will shake out and, and, and work through. You know, I think it's still yet to see how it all plays out. But it was definitely an overwhelming, you know, uh, time sure. for a lot of that to happen. It will be for a while. And it will be for a while. Um, but I, I learned something during that time as well I'd like to share because it's probably one of the biggest lessons of my real estate career. A lot of people hear me say all the time, you know, at the end of the day, all the problems, all the things that look like they're going wrong, when it's all said and done, in my experience, The answer is still always to get your hands on the real estate, to buy the real estate. And I'll share a story. Um, In in April of 2020, um, I think you've probably heard this from me before. Um, I had two big medical projects um, in feasibility. One was a 20,000 square foot building with multiple doctors. And one was an independent doctor's office, about $10 million worth of real estate. And in April of 2020, both are in the feasibility period. They both call me and say, we, can, we can't operate. Um, we can't have people in the Ugh. office. Our business is down. This was 60, April. This is April. Wow. It's right when, Pandemic you know, yeah, everything right is yeah. chaos. You know, we, we, can, we, our, our business is down 60%. There's no Ugh. way we can move forward. And I made a huge mistake because, you know, I come from a sales background. I was a sales manager for right. many years, as you know. When you know what's right, you overcome those objections and you try to keep things moving forward. Well, right. I was caught up in all the BS too, you know, and I didn't push back. I was like, Hey, I get it. You know, your business is down 60%. We're talking about a multi-million dollar project. The future is so unclear. I Mm. understand. And we ended up, you know, terminating those transactions kind of sucked as you can imagine. Mm, I'm sure. Um, I'm I'm sad. (laughs) I'm on my way back from Vegas right now. Now the good (laughs) news is uh, most of those doctors a year or so later built another office and, 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 and it wasn't the same big project, but we did several other small offices and got everybody taken care of. But here's why I take responsibility for being a little bit at fault. 
if I'd have pushed back more, they'd have got a better interest rate. Mm. They would have bought it at a lower price and prices would have gone up. If you could see through how challenging the time is and understand that even though you can't see it and it doesn't seem right, right, the answer is still to buy the real estate and they would have been much better off. You know, Always. don't get me wrong. Everybody's happy. They love their offices. Of it's great. It worked out. It worked out just fine, but I'll never forget that I could have done better. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Absolutely. I'll never forget that. And Absolutely. so that's one of those things that I guess you just learn from life and you know what I mean? And, and, and doing the best you can. But the answer, in my opinion, no matter what the circumstances answers are and how cloudy that they may might look, the answer is usually always to buy the real estate and to own it and to operate your business out of it and move forward from that. Absolutely. I would also say don't yeah. panic. You know, looking at your money market right now, you can lose so much. If anyone has stocks, they're like they look at them like, oh my gosh, lost ten, three, thirty thousand, doesn't matter. But when they when they get a rental and they're like, Oh my god, I had to pay a third of my mortgage and I want to sell it. I'm like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm right there with you. Yes. I'm like tighten up. You know what I mean? Like yes. tighten up. Like you you just made an investment for a quarter of what the investment yeah. should have been just in that month. You still own the property that is still yeah. going to increase minimum five six percent yeah. year over year. In addition, in addition, and you can make it pretty. I can't let go, me I ask can't, you this, granted, granted How much money stock? did you put into your savings account this mm-hmm. month? Yeah, exactly. See what I'm saying? Yeah, like they, no, I, 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 there's so sense. much panic that I'll get a call from someone because you know I've been in business for 20 years this August, and so I get, I make my clients buy investment properties, and they'll call me like, dude, like vacancy two months, or you know I, I have to pay a mortgage payment. I'm like, how? That that's what investment is. There's risk. That's right. There's risks. There's vacancy rates. Yep. Um, you know, if you can't, I mean, obviously, if like if there's health matters and you're just like whatever, I'm like. You know, I would I would rather not go to to you know Disneyland this year and keep the asset because the key, the asset will give that kid a college money instead of down the them. road. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So for sure. to make decisions, they, they pay dividends in the long run. Make is, decisions and make them smart for the long term because this is a marathon, not a not a sprint. I like that. Well, guys, that's been freaking awesome information. I've got one last question per se for this before we close it out, um, and that is advice for. Uh, first-time investors, mm. the consumers out there that are looking to potentially uh, move out of their house to finally start their business or to finally start leveraging some money to grow some real generational wealth and opportunities. Um, what is the advice you would give to them on why it's so important to have representation from a commercial realtor? Mm. Well, um, I would certainly say it's extremely important. And for one reason, a lot of people don't understand it Mm -hmm. um, and don't understand what they can get, Mm -hmm. what they should be asking for um, in the in the way of terms. I remember when we did your lease and and, and you wanted a chicken coop that was and we got we got the damn chicken coop. Whatever. Right. Yeah. They're like, (laughs) you have any chickens? I'm like, we're about to. You know what I mean? Like when we get our. You know, That's right. You know, a lot of people don't know what can be asked for because it can be uh, a little intimidating. True you know? story. You're not uh, you're not dealing with usually just your your average new Correct. realtor. You're dealing with somebody at a big company or mm-hmm. you know big organizations that have been yeah. doing this for a very very long period of time. And you have to have somebody that that knows what they're doing represent you. And I'll take it a step further. Um, 
and kind of what I take pride in and JJ, we, we laughed about it earlier, both kind of breaking into this commercial real estate world. And like mm-hmm. I said, I call it bankers hours on steroids. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah try to call on a bunch of listings at two, three o'clock on a Friday. Good you luck. know what I mean? And then set your calendar for Tuesday on when you're going to hear something back. Sure. Maybe. You know what I mean? It's, um, it's, uh, like I said, it's bankers hours on steroids. Um, they also, Consumers need somebody that's available. I don't treat it any different than my residential real estate business that we have a deadline that ends tonight. So I'm available all night to make that work. I treat my commercial business the same way. I'm sure JJ does as well. That's what differentiates you from, from everybody else. And, um, I've had projects where, you know, a lot of times they're physicians and they're only available after clinic. So Mm -hmm. we're meeting on this project once or twice a month for sometimes a year or more. And that needs to happen at 7 p.m. That happens at 7 p.m. You know what I mean? And so I would suggest not only finding the right commercial real estate agent that's knowledgeable and can make sure you get everything you need to get and got what the expectations are and guide you through the com- complex process, but is also available all the time. You know what I mean? That's buried in this transaction, mm-hmm. just like you are. I, I, I like to tell the medical clients, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry, but you know what I mean? I'm in it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I want to go to all these meetings. I go to every architecture meeting. I want to be involved. I don't want to miss anything because that's how I learn too. Yeah. That's how no. I did that Didn't you, know you have an example of, of a, a client that ended up not going with you that ended up reaching back out to I, you? Yeah. I did. That, well, that was, yeah, that, was a, uh, that was a, a, a tough lesson. Um, that was many years ago, but I, I worked with a client quite some time for that wanted to buy a medical office. Um, we looked at a bunch, spent a lot of time with them, and they ultimately decided on a residential home, a over a million dollar residential home. Wow. We went to it five or six times with contractors, and they had a vision of converting that into a medical office. And they wanted to put in a parking lot. And, you know, I was a little skeptical about it, um, but showing them everything they want to see, working through the process. We got to get the price. Um, And they were hell bent on it. Well, I was digging in a little bit further for them and found out that this is, you know, obviously now zoned residential. And in this particular municipality, the process to change that from residential to commercial was very complex. And it required a lot of things like your neighbors agreeing to yeah. it. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and, and, and then the, the city council of that municipality has to agree to it. And so I went to him and said, look, I'm not comfortable with this. You know, I, I have no desire to ever participate in a project that doesn't kick ass. You know what right. I mean? I just, I don't, <laughs> yeah, no, no desire put, whatsoever. Put that on your car. Yeah. yeah for just, sure. Just no desire whatsoever. And so far. Kenny Powers. I'm, right. So far. <laughs> We're, we're at hundred percent. We don't kick ass and he don't yeah, want it. I don't want to do it. Yeah. And so, and I told him, I don't think this is going to work. I don't think we're going to be able to do the zoning you want. And we had a difficult conversation one night. They called me, you know, the husband and the wife, and we think we can do it and we think it'll work. And we found another realtor that has no problem writing this up. And, and, you know, I said, okay, you know, I'll send you, I'll send you the paperwork to release you from our agreement, you know, for the buyer representation agreement. You're welcome to do what you want to do. And this other agent wrote them up and made $40,000, you know what I mean? And went on about their way. And I mean, I just consider that dirty money. I know it's not going to work. Right. And several months later, I get a call you know, and they're going, hey, we need your help. We can't get this zone to residential. And I'm like, (laughs) we can't get this zone to commercial. I'm like, I know. And I'm sorry, but. I can't help you. You know what I mean? Like right. there's nothing I can do now. I was yeah. trying to help at the time when mm-hmm. I couldn't make a difference for you. Correct. And, you know, 
maybe they didn't recognize that they were working with somebody that knew what they're doing. Maybe they thought they'd do better. I don't know. But I'm sure that was a very painful and expensive experience. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm I'm sure uh, that if you were an incredibly freaking talented uh, realtor salesperson, you'd have said, would you like me to list it? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you did. <laughs> right? I may have offered. I know a great commercial. I know a great residential yeah. listing agent. <laughs> Hold on one second. <laughs> Hello. Right. Hello. This is Andy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Right. So how about you, JJ? I, look, what he just said is like in the we're so fortunate to be in the seventh largest city in the United States of America, and so in. in if you look at how the big boys do it, you know, you know CBRE, GALs, you, in the niches are the riches. I'll be honest with you. If I get a mo- if I get a medical office client, I'm 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 gonna send it to Andy and he's gonna pay me a referral, right? Yeah. See, Duh. all day long. Why, I mean, I like to learn more. Sure. But Andy's, I mean, you know what I mean? Like you've gone down the road of your expertise. Yeah. You're, you you it's very niche. It sounds. It's in the niches of the riches. I, I'm good at in industrial. The niches of the riches. I, I'm good at industrial. I'm good at retail. Um, multifamily is okay. I hate land. Um, so like, but if I, this guy's niched out. So I, I got Rav. So Rav does all the hotels all over the U.S. If I get a, a deal with a hotel, it's going to Rav. A 30% referral is dope. Cause all I do is just pass the ball. It's right, like, like right. I'm Jason Kidd and they're just dropping dimes. And I'm getting paid. So it's cool because we're big in a big enough city that we can niche. Like if we lived in like, Kansas, I'm going back to Kansas. I'm just kidding. But if you lived in like a, a rural town, you you know, you kind of have to know it all. Right. You don't have that flexibility. And so, sure. but it's so overwhelming, bro, just to know like, you know, like just one portion of commercial. And I wish it was called commercial trading and residential real estate because, you know, ah, yeah. because they, we don't even say what did that sell for? We say, what did that trade for? Isn't that weird? Yeah. Because we only trade. We 1031 exchange stuff. So I wish it was called something completely different so that residential agents wouldn't differentiate dip itself. their toe yeah. in there. Cause they're like, trade, trade what? So in the niches are the riches. So definitely look, if you're going to hire someone, you definitely need it almost as much or more in, than res- residential. And then say like how many, like I've sold a lot of churches for some reason. So like, like a lot of, like chicken. No, no, they never sell. That's how badass they are. They're recession proof. Yeah. Them and Fred's fish fry, they're not going anywhere. So, so like, you know, I get a lot of agents say, Hey, man, I don't, I don't want to deal with the the churches. They're 501c3s. There's all these tax implications. And I'm like, Oh, I've I've gone through it. Mm -hmm. And, and over time, if you go through enough, I mean, there's always that first one that maybe I'll do one with Andy. I'll give him the, the bulk of it. He'll let me hang out with him and then he'll teach me the ropes a little bit. Right. And then, then I'll, it's I do, we do, you do. Right in our game, right. I'm gonna do it. You're gonna watch and shut the hell up. We're gonna do it. I'm gonna take more than you. You're gonna shut the hell up, and then you do it. And that's enough for me to give Andy some money and vice versa. And that's how um, commercials done is. So just ask him, like, how many churches have you sold? Uh, how many franchises have you helped as a tenant? How many whatever multifamily units have you sold? So we're fortunate enough to be able to niche in San Antonio. So as an investor, make sure you know you don't want to be the guinea pig, right? Um, I you should like it when multiple brokers are working for you at the same time. That means you're they're doing their due diligence, and I'm bringing in an expert because he's the man. I'm the boy right now on that, and so he can I'm, fill in all the yeah. points. Yeah, let's roll. And everything he's saying, you know, too. What's uh, that's the difference between a lot of agents that just want to get their next deal done, true, and somebody that's trying to do the right thing for the consumer long right. term. Because bringing in the right people that know 
about this particular niche right. is the right thing for the client to get them the best service. Absolutely. I get it all the time. People, you probably, I'm sure you do too. People say commercial real estate and they just assume you know everything. And Absolutely. that's not true. Not true. People call me and they want to build a bar in a loft downtown. And I'm like, man, I just don't know about that. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, right. I, 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 But I know I, someone that does. Right. I can get you to somebody that's done this type of work before, but you know, this is not in my wheelhouse, really. Right. And once again, I don't want to participate in any project that doesn't kick ass. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So so I'm going to have to partner you with this person mm-hmm. that knows a lot more than I do about it. And it's so litigious. Now, yeah, yeah. Like, And I may tag along because I want to learn. Hell yeah. I mean, sure. Uh, you know, but... But that's what's doing right for the for the consumer. Right. So I would certainly say when you're talking about finding the right broker, ask all those questions. Yeah. How, how many warehouses have you done? Can mm-hmm. you give me some examples exactly. of some that I can go take a look at? Can I see how they went? Absolutely. You know, if you built it from the ground up, who's your team? What contractors do you do? What exactly. what architects do you use? You know what I mean? What all needs to happen? The biggest question I get is what all needs to happen during a feasibility study? Well, you need to do X, Y. It's not like residential. It's not right. just one inspection and you're done. Nope. There's a lot of stuff that has to be done to meet bank requirements, mm-hmm. you know, a, a different phase one environmental studies. I mean, the list goes on and you need to have somebody that knows how to do all that. Right. And if they don't know how to do all that, you need to have somebody that's responsible enough to say, we're going to partner with, with this person because they Let's understand this whole thing. Correct. Correct. And, and, and I think everybody needs to understand that they're getting that. And you have to ask those questions to make sure you're dealing with the type of person that's going to make sure your best interest is first and foremost. Right. Sure. The rest of it will work out. Wow. Well, guys, that's a hell of a lot of good information, especially for me, um, being somebody that's like a sponge, especially in this this sector of uh, real estate as we operate in every day. Um, I've learned a lot from this, definitely, um, especially from someone that is an aspiring investor on that regard. I now kind of have reaffirmed my uh, dream to own residential, or I'm sorry, a commercial real estate, sure. truly, uh, to start earning my triple net and getting those write-offs and building my long-term legacy. Because sure. you can do so much with residential, but the real game, the real big boy club is that commercial sector. For sure. I know a guy. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know too. Now I know too. That's right. So uh, for you folks out there listening, um, we've got plenty of key factors and insight i mean from a uh from a let's start with commercial uh potential investor super important to have great representation it is totally fine to shop those realtors and to ask all the questions that you need to feel comfortable because it's a large investment um from the consumers aspect of it What's happening in our market and what took place with COVID has shifted the way we do business, how we operate, uh, and how this commercial real estate is viewed, especially from the uh, investor bank side of things. And if you're thinking that this may or may not affect you in the long term, it probably will. So if you're currently renting, paying to a landlord, paying to an apartment complex, something along those lines... It may be time to start looking into owning your own real estate simply because your rents are going to rise. There's nothing you can truly control about it. And it is their right to be able to do so because they've got more people behind them that are uh, are waiting for their mouths to be fed as well Um, from a realtor standpoint. If you are a residential realtor looking to try and put a commercial deal together, um, 
I'm going to advise right now, don't do it. <laughs> Just don't do it. Uh, get yourself a solid a referral source uh, like one of these two gentlemen and and cling close to them. But obviously make sure to respect their boundaries. Um, they're in a different class of realtors that uh, I'm not going to say better or worse, but totally different. There are way more ins and outs and nuances to just the 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 contractual side of doing commercial real estate. Um the world is going to be okay. The sky is not falling. Um and is it too big to fail? I don't know. We'll find out here soon, but I do know that there was plenty of information that you can actually take to the bank and cash on this one. So that being the case, gentlemen, thank you so much for yeah, um, sharing your insight. That was damn good. Job, um, other than that, like, share, subscribe, all that jazz, but we will catch you on the next one. Welcome to Key Factors Podcast, where knowledge meets ambition in the fast-paced world of real estate and mortgage. I'm your host, Mark Jones bringing you the latest insight, trends, and expert advice to navigate this dynamic property market. In each episode, we dive deep into the heart of the industry, dissecting market movement, exploring investment strategies, and unlocking the secret to real estate success. Whether you're a seasoned professional, an aspiring investor, or simply looking to stay ahead of the curve, this is the ultimate guide to making informed decisions in the world of property and real estate. So grab a seat and let's uncover the key factors that make all the difference. Welcome to Key Factors Podcast. Let the journey begin.